Are you a sheep? No. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good, and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, I'm Amanda, and with me today is my barfy co-host, Monica. <laughs> Thanks for adding that one in. You're welcome. <laughs> Hi, people. I don't know if you want to explain this now or not. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to. I just want you to be known as the barfy co-host, but I will explain. Monica, about two seconds before we started recording, told me, hang on, I need to barf. And I was like, uh, please don't barf. She just like put her head over her shoulder and burped. And she burped. She did not barf. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just because that sparkling water and that sometimes tries to find its way back up. Oh, I am all for burps, you know, better out than in. But I, I just, I'm very glad that you didn't turn your head and barf. <laughs> My pleasure then. <laughs> so how's it going, Monica? How's it going? Everything's going great. I've been stuck in Hyrule <laughs> in the last couple of weeks, I guess. Um, I'm one short of starting to Calamity Ganon, so the end boss and the end castle. I've never gotten that far in a Zelda game ever before, so I'm basically oh, basically owning it. Nice. That's exciting. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I'm pretty proud. Though, to be fair, the main story quest is only like 15 quests long. <laughs> and everything else is like 102 shrines, so everything else is a side quest you can or cannot do. Nice. Yeah open world as it's at its core yeah open world games are awesome you get so lost and do so many things and you're like oh wait what was the main quest <laughs> like if the, yesterday i tried like i i tamed two horses <laughs> as you do as you do and yeah that's funny geeky pastime at the moment how about you what's going on at your corner of the world I've been spending a lot of time in Angorzia this weekend. I feel like, I don't know, I think I was going through some withdrawals because I haven't been playing that much of it lately. But yeah. this weekend, I just logged on and like I had, I had worked kind of full-time hours all the week and then I just sat there. 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, I sat down in front of the computer, started to play, and let's just say that most of my weekend got sunk into that game. <laughs> the, it's interesting that we didn't even manage to properly meet and when we met, nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you were so busy hanging out in Hyrule and... But you only messaged me on Saturday evening or afternoon-ish. That was like oh, the entire day already gone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, that was yesterday. That was Sunday. There was also something on Saturday. I didn't notice that you were playing and that you were in Eorzea for that long. 
until like half of it was already over. Yeah. I was just, you know, questing, leveling my ninja. I got him I got my ninja up like five or six levels. I wonder if people will scream because somebody in our FC told us that it's a samurai. No, it's a ninja. ninja. I'm playing a ninja. Oh, this different one. Yeah. I have a samurai as well. Um, Ah. I unlocked it, but I I like my ninja. But ninjas are freaking awesome. I always like ninjas per se, even though I know nothing about ninjas besides that they're stealthy. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Though my outfit right now is pretty non-existent. It's like leather straps. And I'm like, how does that, how? Because always, (laughs) that's just always how it is, isn't it? That's true. Being half naked in game. But to be fair, even the guys are half naked in game. So that's just a thing for Final Fantasy, apparently. That's true. Yeah, I think it is just a thing. Yeah. And then the other geeky thing that Monica and I both did actually this week is we were on an episode of Nerd This. Oh, yeah. Agreed. That was awesome. So if you haven't checked the guys out over at Nerd This, you can do so by going to nerdthis.com and find them on social. I don't think that's their website. Isn't it? No, I think it's nerdthispodcast.com. Really? Yeah. But also, they don't really have a website, so just find them on your favorite podcast catcher. Yeah, you can listen to the show. Maybe find them on Radio Public. Yeah. Because that will give them a bit of, a mon- a bit of money. Yeah, money's always good. Yeah. yeah. But yes, tune so, in. It's amazing. It's a pretty good episode. We were conveniently talking about Captain Marvel. Yeah. And what we, a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. But we... Don't shy back to talk about it again to this week on our episode. Yeah, Monica and I are super excited to talk about Captain Marvel again today. And I think we're taking a bit of a, a more in-depth and critical feminist approach to it than we could oh, take yeah, with sure. the nerd this guys. Well, we could have probably, but then we wouldn't have had to invite them over to our podcast. True. Or we could have just stolen that podcast and just recorded one. Yeah. But... Where's the fun in that? Where's the fun in that? Higher, further, faster, it's Captain Marvel. <laughs> you should have seen Amanda. She was super excited. Even lifted her hands and everything. So there was an entire show right there. <laughs> you missed it. I'm sorry. That's it. One time show only. <clears throat> so first things first. How much do we love it? I loved it. Yes. I'm, I, I'm very, very, very excited about it. Let's just say it like this. I might not put the term love in there. I do love Captain Marvel, per se, as a character. It's like, she's so freaking badass and so cool. That's like, she's my number one superhero probably right now. But the movie, I did enjoy it. It was really entertaining. But it's also not the my all-time favorite Marvel, Marvel movie. Yeah, I don't think it's my all-time favorite Marvel movie, but I enjoyed it from start to finish. Yes, I did enjoy it too. I know you had said to me that you found the beginning to be a bit slow, I think was the word you used. Yeah. But I don't know. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that throwback to the 90s North America and just... Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed the the time it was set in and everything, but I had the storytelling wise it was a bit confusing for me because it yeah we shouldn't go into this at the beginning 
That's true. Let's put the story on hold and talk about the fact that there was a heavily predominant female crew directing, executive producer, producing, screenplay, writing. It was so female dominated. It was amazing. That's pretty amazing. Do we have comparisons to other Marvel movies? Monica, what do you think I am? A research story. God, ask me these questions before we record. (laughs) That's just because it only came up to me now. (laughs) So while Monica's looking that information up, this was directed by Anna Bowden. And she, well, she was co-directing with Ryan Fleck, who was pretty much the only dude on the directing, writing, producing team. Wow. So... It was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, like there were a, a couple other men on the production team, but in terms of the like directing and screenplay writing, he was, he was it. Just, just Mr. Ryan Fleck. Do we know that guy? Uh, we, I mean, I, I haven't had dinner with him. But... <laughs> Why didn't you have dinner with him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, this is his first main screen film. He's been mostly right or directing like TV shows, a few episodes here and there. So good for you, Ryan Fleck, getting a main screen or big screen. Why did I say main screen? A big screen. Congratulations. Project. Okay. I am at Avengers Infinity War right now. Um, and it's t- directed by two guys. And then the writing credits go to... Well, all guys. <laughs> it's like seriously, all guys. It's Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely, Stanley, obviously, um, Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, Jack, Steve Englehart, Steve Gann, Bill Mantlo, Keith Giffen, Jim Starlin, Stanley, Larry Lieber, Jack Kirby, Steve Englehart, blah blah blah. All guys. Yeah. That's sad. It's pretty sad, yeah. So yes, very good in ramping up the female writing staff in Captain Marvel. Woohoo! Now, one of the writing staff, Nicole Perlman, she was also one of the lead writers for Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. So that's how she was one of the first women to be writing like a motion picture action movie script. Action movies are predominantly written by men, as we see with Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> so that's amazing, though. Yeah, it's super cool. And the there's another uh, screenplay screenplay writer, uh, Geneva Robertson Dwarat, and her and Nicole Perlman and another female writer called Lindsay Beer. She is known for um, she she's a relatively new writer on the scene actually, and she hasn't worked on Marvel yet, but she's got a few things coming up in uh, post production, so we'll be seeing more of her. But the three of them have actually banded together and created their own female screenwriting and production company. Nice. Yes. So it's called Known Universe. And it all started when Geneva Robertson Dwart and Lindsay Beer were up for the same job. And instead of like buying against each other and fighting for it, they were like, do you want to see if we can write this together? Because they're all about collaboration. Amazing. Building each other up and making like awesome female-led movies it couldn't be any better no like for writing kept for being writers in captain marvel and then this to happen is pretty fucking amazing totally agree 
Totally agree. Because like, I think that, well, I, I don't think, I know that there is like that overarching theme throughout the entire film of friendship and building positivity together with your friends, especially female friendship. Yeah. So I yeah. feel basically this entire movie has a big focus on relationships that are not romantic. Yeah, definitely. Um, I came across an interview with uh, Robertson Dwart and this is, it was actually something that she said that I, I wanted to read out on the show because I really resonated with it. Mm-hmm. She said one thing that she loved about writing Captain Marvel was her female friendships. Her relationships with other women is something that we had not seen much of in superhero movies before. Um, I know that the other writer and myself were both drawn to her voice and her confidence. And she had sort of a Chuck Yeager quality in the comics that we found appealing and very distinctive from a lot of other female characters that we've seen. So I love that the writing team were taking that female friendship and female relationship building that existed in the original comics and brought that through and were writing with that theme in mind through the entire film. Because like, it's there. You can feel it. I felt it. Oh, yeah. And I... Do you remember when we read, uh, when we did the episode about Sam Mack's book and how to judge a movie about its strong female characters? Yes. I recall one part of it was also that the females in the movie talk about something other than a man and it's not about the man and the relationship with a man. So basically Captain Marvel has none of this because there is no romantic tie to any man in the movie. And all the relationships she has are still super strong, but with all on friendship, like on a friendship basis, mm-hmm. which I, it, it felt in, in a way deeper than often romantic relationships do in the, I don't, I can't even put my finger on it. Why it felt so different. It's, I think it's because it is different. Like you don't often see female friendships celebrated like that on the big screen. But for me, it wasn't only between the two females. That was obviously very intense because of whatever, but also between um, Captain Marvel like Captain Marvel and Fury. Oh, that friendship was amazing. And the that way was, that it was also built. for it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking generally friendship in that movie is really, they were all, all the friendships were really strong and very well transferred mm-hmm. with deeper connection than just another romance (laughs) yeah I think that's probably something to do also with a strong female writing team yeah because I I don't know maybe females are like they care more about friendships than like romantic relationships it's not quite what I want to say it's like they've seen the the gap in building friendship in movies or what do you mean just yeah in movies in films like they see that there's a lack of of it. It's mostly like if there's a female character, there's probably some kind of romantic connotation to her. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they've created one of the strongest characters in the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. well, they didn't create her, but they've like built this film and they've written the screenplay and they were able to not have that romantic element and just focus mm-hmm. instead on friendship. I think because it was a, a strong female writing team, they had that different perspective than if, there was a lot of men on it probably likely i don't disagree 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because even if you compare it to Wonder Woman, even Wonder Woman had a romance in it and that was a really bad one. Yeah. Like, honestly, up until the very end, I wasn't even aware that there was a romance happening. <laughs> so, like, or that it was that intense. Mm. That it carries through other through to other movies because he was a factor in other movies as well, or she talked about him. And there is nothing like this in Captain Marvel, and instead it's about super strong friendships with each other and not romance. Yeah, that's really yeah yeah. I, like I think if we compare it to even Captain America and his relationship with Peggy Carter. Mm-hmm. Even though it was like obviously Captain America is the first Avenger, he's a male superhero, and he's likely got a very strong male writing team. Mm-hmm. They still managed to make a huge theme of the movie about romance. But isn't it always that, or isn't it often the case that people that in order for movies to get more females to watch them? that they're adding the romantic aspect to the movie. Yes. So I'm thinking that's generally the the token romantic part that is added um, because otherwise female wouldn't watch the movie as much. And doesn't that happen for a lot of movies that they just add romance in there to like, like even Fast and the Furious has romance in it. Yeah, because obviously like romance is the only thing that women want. Which we see is not the case right now. Now, yeah. after seeing Captain Marvel, we can surely disagree. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't hate my kitschy, lovey-dovey movies, but I can find them if I want them. I can get a fix. I don't need romance in every other movie, particularly because it's very unrealistic anyway. Mm-hmm. Something else from that article, uh, an interview with Robertson Dwart, she made a point and said, we've seen now that these recent movies fronted by women about female superheroes have women, thankfully, behind the camera and writing scripts. And you can get a very different product than just mm. like a male male writing script doing male things. But I don't, she says, I don't want to speak in all cases because obviously a lot of incredible female characters have been created by men. But I do think you see a different eye for all the female characters when you have women working on it. Yeah. And finally, she said, I think that having Brie Larson and a female director, Anna, and female writers all working on this really helped ensure that there's not just a woman on the poster and that then an entire fleet of men behind her, but other interesting women made this movie as well. It just lifted itself up into a totally different state now that I know that there were so many female writers and everything. Mm-hmm. And the female director, I wasn't even entirely aware of that, to be honest. Yeah, like it... I totally agree. It brought it from like a superhero movie to a superhero movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, it, it gave it so much more depth and character than I think you, you would see in a lot of the other Marvel films even. Yeah. Like I, for me, I got a real sense of who Carol Danvers is. Hmm. I'm not entirely sure if that hits home with me as well. Like you, like it did for you thinking about it because I felt, and that's maybe why I feel it was so slow in the beginning. I felt it. I went a long way through the movie without really knowing who she is. 
like because she was there and it seemed like there's so many things were already settled um and i was like i felt like i lacked some part of the story obviously i did because she also didn't <laughs> so how am i supposed to know i don't know i don't know so i'm not sure if i totally get who carol danvers is because i feel she also is not 100 sure of who she is if you know what i mean i do know what you mean and i understand what you mean for sure but i think for me it was like even though she didn't know doesn't didn't know like exactly who she was she still had this very strong sense of right and wrong she still like knew i don't know it was just this i think i just felt more connected to her i mean maybe maybe that's all it is like i just feel mm-hmm. more connected to her character and her story and the way that life has you know given her a few curveballs along the way <laughs> So I with that I totally agree. Like if we see the female superheroes in the movies that we have now, there is no one that I connect more with than I do with Captain Marvel now. And none of them um made me for example, Wonder Woman, she is a half goddess or she is a goddess. She was raised on a separate island. She knew nothing about the world. She didn't have to go through a lot of things in her her life to get where she was then. Like it wasn't her life wasn't a struggle up until she decided to 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 go to the actual human world. So that wasn't something that you can connect with really because she has always been a superhero and treated as such. Then mm-hmm. the Black Widow is always part of the team, not always like always kind of taking care of all the dudes in the team. So make sure that they are like like mothering them a bit without having to evolve in a role herself, really. Yeah. And whereas Captain Marvel, I feel, you totally knew what she was going through. Like, you felt that her life, and even with the small parts that she could then remember, you felt like her life was a struggle very often. And that is, especially as a woman and as a girl, you can totally connect to. Mm -hmm. And then she got where she is now because she fought for it. And I feel that's what made her a more complex character than all the other female superheroes we had before. And that I totally connected with. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 Cool. (laughs) I'm excited. Me too. What I find really interesting is that the version of Captain Marvel that we saw in the cinema is actually the character of Carol Danvers is the sixth character to take on the role of Captain Marvel. Which I find pretty hilarious. Yeah. The the character of Carol Danvers is actually uh, in the Marvel comic world. She has always been around um, and a character in the Captain Marvel series, but she was not always Captain Marvel. It's quite a new thing. Give uh, us details. Okay. I feel the listeners would want to know and I want to know as well. Okay, so this is just kind of this is the Cole's notes version. Um I don't claim to be an expert on Marvel comics, comics especially going back to like the 1970s. But this what? Is, you haven't read everything that's out there since the 1970s. I haven't. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but this is my understanding and what I'm going to try to explain today. 
So Captain cool. Marvel was originally a dude. He was a male, uh, a male character. And from what I can read, he was a Cree, which mm-hmm. is uh, where you see Carol Danvers at the very start of the film, uh, living with the Cree. And Captain Marvel or Carol Danvers was so- some intern or friend or something to Captain Marvel when he was on Earth. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe it Maybe they were like in the military together because she, Carol Danvers, was a captain in the Air Force, which is something that they kept in this film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she and Captain Marvel got quite close, and he transferred some of his power to her, mm-hmm. and she became Ms. Marvel. She like absorbed his power and became Ms. Marvel, and she left the left the military and started working as a writer for a newspaper and it was this that that change happened during the feminist movement of the 1970s so they were on purpose like building a female superhero into the marvelverse because they didn't have one marvel could see that other comics especially like dc with wonder woman that they had created female superheroes Mm -hmm. and like during this huge feminist movement in the 70s they were like well we need we need to do something too. <laughs> so Ms. Marvel was a response to Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But then she's become so much more, right? In my opinion. Ms. <laughs> <So laughs> Marvel then um, had a few good comics with one writer in particular. He wrote three of the comics and then he left for one reason or another. Um, and I'm gonna he he was called Jerry Conway. I'm going to read a quote from him as well. So he said, there were definite attempts to create this kind of feminist role model. And very specifically, on the first or second page of the book, I had a small girl character react to Ms. Marvel's arrival, arrival, going, wow, she's really cool. I want to be like her when I grow up, which was intended to say, hey, we're trying to reach a female audience and we're looking for girls to be inspired by comics as boys. Mm -hmm. They were purposely trying to build feminist role models into their comic books to appeal to little girls as well as little boys. Mm -hmm. And then Conway left the comics for one reason or another. I didn't actually, I I don't know what that is. And some other writers took up the mantle. And in Avengers comic number 200, the writers royally fucked up. (laughs) They wrote that Ms. Marvel was pregnant out of nowhere. Like just all of a sudden Ms. Marvel is pregnant And she gave birth to a baby that very, very, very quickly grew to be a man. Like he didn't, the the baby didn't go through like a normal childhood or anything. It was just like birth, baby, man, you know, standard. As you do. As you do. (laughs) And then they wrote that this man that she gave birth to was a superhero, a being from another dimension who wasn't able to come to Earth, but he wanted to. So he impregnated Ms. Marvel with himself so that she can give birth and he could be on Earth. So this is like really fucked up, right? So Marvel, or so the, the writers tried to come up with this solution to their really, really weird writing that, because obviously during the feminist movement, you don't just get mysteriously pregnant and then give birth. And you're like, oh, yeah. That was 2,000 years old back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So feminists were obviously like, what the actual fuck is going on right now? So they said, oh, well, you know, she actually 
went to that other dimension first and fell in love with him and they had like an entire relationship and then he got her pregnant but then by the time she was back on earth he had erased her memory and it's like okay well how is that any better right (laughs) and then at the end of the or the issue or the the series whatever the avengers like iron man and hawkeye said or, or she had said, oh, I'm going to go back to the other world with this guy. And like, because I love him. I want to be with him. And oh, they let geez. her go. So like, that's, it's just uh, so royally fucked up, right? And then the writers got a lot of flack for it and brought her back to Earth. And she then gave the Avengers a hard time for letting her go because she was obviously brainwashed and... Like, how could they let her go? And don't they, didn't they see that? And it, anyways, it was just like this really, really messed up kind of situation that the writers put her in. And they got quite a lot of, you know, kickback for it. You know what's funny about this? Because you're imagining this that, that there is a group of people working on this comic book, right? So it's not just one per like, is the times where it was what just one person drawing and writing the story of the comics is long gone with Marvel in the 70s, right? So yeah. there is probably a group of people writing this Marvel comic book and not one of them thought this might be a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like not, not one of these men was like, oh, you know what? This is probably a bit rapey. Like this is probably not what feminists want. <laughs> it's very... <sighs> I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's so 2000 years ago again. <laughs> like, that's something that nobody ever wanted to hear again since the Bible was yeah. written and published and everything happened or didn't happen. So I'm like, how do you think that immaculate perception, <laughs> what is it called? Yeah, immaculate conception. Conception of perception yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is something that would of interest to people right it's in a comic book it was weird so i don't know too much about what happened between the 1980s to 2012 but in 2012 the writer kelly sue deconic she took up the mantle of captain marvel and reimagined carol danvers ms marvel into captain marvel and so there's a few comic books out from 2012 and that is the Captain Marvel that this film is based on. That's amazing. So there is your Cole's Notes version of Carol Danvers' history. <laughs> I can't even... I mean, it's interesting that because apparently when Wonder Woman... Because what Wonder Woman is around since the 1940s, right? Something. Yeah. She also went through this entire up and down of women's empowerment movement and it's crazy that you can see that that much in 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 comic books or in comics related to female characters Mm -hmm. nobody can tell me that this isn't a proof that men tried to write the women's story in their opinion since the beginning of time yeah it's there it's written I'm a bit speechless, to be honest. (laughs) So I wanted to touch on the 2012 comic series by Kelly Sue DeConnick, because obviously it's that comic series that has created Captain Marvel as we know her now, and it's where she got a lot of her personality. So um, DeConnick 
says in an interview that I found, and she says, I think of Carol as someone who is forever running, forever chasing, always in motion. So she's written her as just constantly trying to keep moving, keep being better, right? Mm -hmm. And I really love that about the character because I feel like, I kind of feel like it's almost a representation of modern day women anyways, because there's so much that there's so much to that. Like as, as women in 2019, like we are all so busy. Mm. Like we are forever running. We're chasing the dreams. We're chasing our children. We're chasing after our parents. Like we are always chasing. We're mm. always moving. We're always moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel what is so relatable with, for Captain, like what makes us relate so much to her is because even though she is a superhero, she does have to go through all of that as well. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what powers you have. Even when you're a woman, you have to struggle a lot in yeah. situations in life. So that what makes her, what makes you sit there and think, this is not so much unlike me. Whereas you don't really have that in the other superhero movies. Like, mm -hmm. Thor is a god, Iron Man has his armor and is rich as fuck ever since the beginning of time. And uh, Captain America has his shield. So, <laughs> so, that's, so I feel she's the most relatable, probably. Yeah. And also because she's forever chasing, forever running. Yeah. And Carol was written to have quite a hard life like her her background was quite hard her dad you know didn't want her to go or he he didn't want her to go to college mm -hmm. um he instead just wanted her to like get married and start a family have a husband do like as you do as you do and she was like no fuck you dad i'm gonna go and join the military mm -hmm. and then Carol's backstory is that her dad actually passed away before she could reconcile with him. So he, she was estranged from him and left this quite tense feeling, mm -hmm. you know, over, over the path that she's chosen in her life. And the comic writer DeConnick, she says, it's two things. Uh, Carol needs to prove herself despite all the power that she has. So it's running away from the pain but also trying to prove to her dead father that she's just as good as the boys. Mm -hmm. She says, this is a wound that's never going to heal. Dad's dead, right? So you, you, you can't heal something when someone is dead. So she's never going to get that moment of her dad saying, you know, you're right, kid. You're amazing. Mm -hmm. So she's just going to have this, this thing that she's just forever chasing after something that she can't have. Mm -hmm. And there was something that DeConnick said in this article that really, really resonated with me. And I think it did for Monica as well, because for both of us, there was a scene in the film. It was a montage of Carol always falling down and then getting back up again. And for me, that scene had such, my heart, I, I was so proud. Mm. Like I, I, I felt so much pride for that. And like, yes, this is, this is amazing. Like this, this woman is just getting up and going again. doesn't matter what life puts you down. And so DeConnick said, you know, Carol falls down all the time, but she always gets back up. We say that about Captain America as well, but Captain America gets back up because it's the right thing to do. Carol gets back up because fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, I agree with that. And I feel 
especially the scene that you're talking about. I feel you can, and as we discussed yesterday in the, this episode, everybody feels um, addressed in that situation. But I feel it's a different layer of a feeling addressed. Or I felt touched more in this scene than I think guys do when they see it of course everybody can relate with uh, when i fall down i have to go get back up again because that's something that happens to everyone everybody fucks up royally and then has to piece his or her life together again but in that scene for girls and for women out there it was just so much more than that Mm -hmm. it was so much more than that because You could see it through the entire movie until that point. Like she always had to fight like stupid comments from the sidelines or, or someone who tells her she can't do this because she's a girl. She can't do that because she's a girl. That's not how a girl behaves. That's not what the society wants from her. And that's something we have to deal with every single day. So in that scene, it was even more than just getting back up again. It was do what you fucking want to do, um, yeah. despite what everybody's saying, despite what society's saying. So it was just me sitting there thinking, I didn't expect that moment to be so intense. For I knew it was a life, like a, a movie that we needed for so long because there wasn't one out there, but it was like sitting there, I didn't expect this feeling to happen in that moment that this this was actually life-changing for me in the moment and thinking that there are probably so many little girls out there who watch this movie who, if this scene already influenced me the way it did and I'm 34, then I can't even imagine how this scene could influence a little girl of 10 years or younger. Mm-hmm. So that was just where I'm like, we have an under, we have a fight to fight every single day that white straight males don't have to fight. So it's a separate. So this scene carried two fights where one fits for everyone and one is an additional one for us that felt so great that it they even addressed it at some point. Mm-hmm. That's why I like, almost cried. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There was multiple times in the film that I almost cried and this was one of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it is that, like, as women, we are so often pushed down by society. Not necessarily, not always, I should say, by the people that we know and that we live with and that we love. But as, as a society, so many places are telling us as women, like, you can't do that. You're not good enough for that. That's something for the boys. That's something for men. You can't do that. You're a woman. You can't do that. You can't pay your page. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And it's like, yes, I can. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. That's so good. Was so necessary. So necessary. And I think as well that Captain Marvel... And Brie Larson is the perfect person to be playing Captain Marvel mm-hmm. because she has such strong feminist beliefs as well. Mm-hmm. And she is such a good role model as a person. Mm-hmm. Like her take or her statement, sorry, to all those reporters, like about having more diversity in a reporting room mm-hmm. that sparked this backlash. Mm-hmm. 
as we talked about on on a geek girl in the news so i don't think that we need to get back go back into it but this is where i want to bring up what the original writer of ms marvel jerry conway said so he's he says what's so frustrating for creators today about things like this nonsense and the misogyny is that back when these books really were a boys club type of industry any effort to create feminist characters was met with no pushback at all actually they were welcomed they were perceived as fun additions to the mythology people loved characters like phoenix and storm and ms marvel became fairly popular there wasn't an us versus them type of attitude at least not one that i perceived and that to me is what's so idiotic about the current quote controversy there shouldn't even be a controversy back when we were really breaking ground with this stuff as clumsily as we did nobody was objecting mm. that's the original writer of ms marvel friends that's from 1970s that's the thing people shouldn't care if the thing the reason why we care so much that there is finally a female superhero is because we haven't had one in the leading role forever mm-hmm. so it, if it were equally balanced and everybody would get the same amount of screen time and everybody would be in leading roles as often just as often there shouldn't be an issue if they were male or females but creating this artificial problem that if they do get step up their game the female roles in the comics then that they get shit thrown at them is just ridiculous and the 70s were a good time <laughs> they were a great time they were a progressive time sad that we did take some steps back apparently yeah like that was 40 years ago over 40 years ago oh, like what, what the fuck happened it was just well i wasn't alive in the 70s but also 2000 was just yesterday but that's also like 19 years ago yeah. <laughs> so i'm like what is even going on <laughs> let's change track and go back a bit out of the film to the people that made the film mhm i don't know about you but i loved the soundtrack 90s music 90s grunge music with nirvana <laughs> and garbage and no doubt and back I just noticed it once when they played No Doubt. Oh, that scene was the best. That was hilarious. But honestly, I was I don't even notice if I I don't recall if I noticed it that much. I'm I sorry. Noticed. No, it's okay. I noticed it uh, because that is some that genre 90s grunge music is one of my favorites. So I the was fa- more like, Backstreet Boys, so I didn't was I'm not very full with grunge. Yeah, I was I was well into Backstreet Boys as well. I was one of these really eclectic kids. But I wanted to bring up something that one of our listeners and our very one of our first guests on the show as well, Karina from Koi Composition, she sent in uh, an article actually about the composer of Captain Marvel who, you probably guessed it, was also female. I love it. So, Peter Toprak became the first woman to score a Marvel superhero movie. So another first and it's possibly the most high profile accomplishment yet for any female in this notoriously male dominated profession. Wow. So you can head on back to Karina's episode to hear an actual female composer's take on the male like on composing for video games and and films anyways. So Pinar Toprak, she was like she she had a few small roles or um like gigs before this but when it came for her to audition for Captain Marvel she was like fuck 
I'm doing this. She put together seven minutes of music and hired a 70-piece orchestra to perform it. <laughs> Sent that in. Then created a short video of herself that she explained everything she wanted to do. So the directors, um, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, they said that they didn't give her the job because she was a woman. They said they gave her the job because she fucking rocked it. Well, (laughs) I mean, but my question is, though, would she have tried to go all in like this if she were a guy? I don't know. So but the fact is, like, she's not a guy, right? So No, she's not a guy. But I mean, sometimes, and that's probably proof again, that we have to work harder and go above and beyond to convince people that we own it. Whereas sometimes guys just walk into a room and say, I'm like king of the world and give it to me because I'm Hans Zimmer and I, oh, I, I deserve to get this. True. But then I, I mean, I'm all about trying to create like, you know, questions about that. But then it could also be she is relatively new to the scene in general. So would a male who's relatively new to the scene do the same thing to audition for a film? Like, I don't, I'm not saying that it's not about her gender that she tried harder, but I'm not saying that it is. And it could just be the position that she was in her career at the time. Yeah, for sure. So, and we've talked now about this, the this falling and getting up scene multiple times now um, because it's the best scene ever. And this is something that Pinar Toprak said about that. She said, every time she falls, she gets up. I've had a lot of falling moments in my life as well. Then getting up and learning to get up faster and going even farther the next time. I definitely have a deep connection with, this, with the story. Mm. And what I actually love is, is that Anna Bowden said about her that she really elevated the film and that Ryan Fleck, who, as we know, is the director and really the only male kind of leading crew role, he said, hopefully Pinar Toprak will pave the way and people won't need, feel the need to talk about women directors or women composers anymore. It'll just be the norm. Wouldn't that be the end goal? It is the end goal, and isn't everything. it? Yeah. And to be totally meta right now, Toprak did the score for that Pixar short film, Pearl, that we talked about a few episodes ago. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) I like that the meta-ness of this. Oh, yeah, because that's how we roll here at Key Caring. So So I know, like, we didn't actually talk very much about the content of the film, but... Do we need to? Do we need to? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I, mean, I think celebrating what it stood for, who was behind it, and where it's going is way better than being like, this is what Carol ate for breakfast. Did we even see her eat ever? No. I'm hungry now. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, I think, I think a lot of people think that it's already great that she's a female lead, but the fact that it was so much more than just a female lead is just amazing. That if you even compare it to the other Marvel movies, that there are not even one woman in Infinity War, apparently, it's, it's pretty pathetic. Yeah. And now it's like, like how I don't know how many even wrote up there. So there were a lot. So that's like, that doesn't mean that it's all female, but at least it's like probably mainly female. And you can see that that's so important on all layers of this, not just for the leads, but for the people who have been hired. And that's, yeah, representation on all fronts. Mm-hmm. 
That's what makes this film even more special. The specialist. The specialist. <laughs> yeah, I do agree for sure. Yeah. I think that the opportunities that this film has opened up, and especially because it smashed like everything at the box office, like mm. it was just that that glass ceiling was shattered. It's gone. Whew, bye. <laughs> and see ya. See ya. <laughs> and the like all female crew mostly female crew, the strong female role models in the film, the strong feminist identities, the friendship, the everything. I think that we're seeing and going to see a shift in the future of filmmaking. And I think it's needed and I'm excited for it. That would be so amazing. I, I think really, it's coming. I really hope it sticks. That's my only fear. That is something that's seen as a unicorn and then we get back to business as usual. Nope, it's changing. I would approve. I approve. I approve, but also, like, I, it's not something that I need to approve of because I can see it's happening and it's going to continue to happen and it's going to continue to grow. And we are going to just get more women in these roles without having to be like, oh, it's a woman in this role. Oh, it's a female director. Like, it's just going to be there because they have shown that they can do it as good, if not better, than the men. Mm. Yeah, I... I like to be as hopeful as you are <laughs> or as sure of it <laughs> i'm sure of it <laughs> but somebody needs to be the optimist in our relationship <laughs> me. not me <laughs> <laughs> awesome so if you would rank it what would be your fable marvel movie then that's tough actually i i love this actually i don't know that it's my favorite but it might be quite high up there. Mm -hmm. I loved Thor Ragnarok for the humor element of it. Yes. That for was... the humor, ex solely for the humor element. <laughs> yeah. It really, really, I don't know, it touched something deep inside of my humorous. I found that was the most hilarious Marvel movie of like ever. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect it to be that hilarious. No, like... I didn't either. When you said like, oh, it's really good. I was like, okay. But then I saw it and was like, shit. Yeah. Good. She's yeah. right, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I'm also, I like the Iron Man films actually, mm -hmm. because I like Iron Man as a character. I think he's really arrogant and kind of a dick and it, it does it for me. So I'm, I'm <laughs> it does it for me. It does it for me. Like I, I just, I, I kind of like what he's got going on, but yeah, it's hard to say. It's, it is hard to say, but I say Thor Ragnarok. But possibly, the more I talk about Captain Marvel, the more I'm like, you know what? It's up there. I have to watch Thor Ragnarok again. So for me, it's probably like, if I have to name my first three ones, it would be Thor Ragnarok, Gal Guardians of the Galaxy, but and Captain Marvel. So Captain Marvel wouldn't be at the top, but somewhere on the first three for sure. Yeah. Guardians was also awesome and had a great soundtrack. Mm. Yeah, the soundtrack is pretty amazing. And it's just hilarious. And I think what hits home, like, I love Groot so much. <laughs> That's why I do like Guardians of the Galaxy. But I love the small one. So it must be the second second Guardians film then. Mm. Yeah, the second one was good. Yeah. I have a lot of mixed feelings about Chris Pratt, though. So Yeah, you ruined this for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> And now that I stalked him, I'm super upset as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had no idea that he would fall down in my... 
but we're not talking about Chris Pratt. So listeners, what did you think about Captain Marvel? What did you think about the strong female characters, the female team behind the film? What do you think about the future of movies? Did you like it? I mean, we can also ask a simple question. Did you like Captain Marvel? And if not, why didn't you like it? I would be interested in if someone had an actual reason, not just the random dissing that has happened. Yeah. That would be cool. We're up for discussion. Definitely. Um, And question along the same line. If we were to put a Captain Marvel shirt into the merch store, what would you want it to say, to do, to be? I've got some ideas, but if you have anything, I'd like to know that too. And let us know and then we can make it and then you can buy it in our merch store. Because we have one of those. We have one of those with amazing shirts. Yes, geekcaring.com forward slash shop. (laughs) I didn't actually know that. I was like, what is it forward slash merch? (laughs) Or you just go to the website geekcaring.com and you find a link in the nav bar where it says merch store. Click that one. There you see all the shirts. And there's really nice ones. Yeah. And they're so comfy again. Yeah, super comfy. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you listeners for joining us. And thank you, Monica, for letting me and you geek out about Captain Marvel because I so desperately wanted to. Yes. And it was necessary. I think it was a separate layer of information that needs to be out there because I don't think that it's as known that it was not just a public female, like a female lead, but also a very strong female team. Yes. And if you want to know more about what Monica and I thought about the actual film content, head on over to Nerd This Podcast and listen to the, their latest episode as well. Yes. It was fun and exciting. Yes. Fun and exciting. But I'm sorry. <laughs> tired. Me tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is all we've got for you this week. And we will see you next week on Geek Herring. Bye for now. Bye. Hang on, I think I have to barf. Barf? Sorry. Please please don't barf. Is that throwing up? Yeah. Burp. That's what that's (laughs) the word. (laughs) If you like this episode of Geek Herring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Herring and over on geekherring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.